Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, the theme of the night was kindness, and Sheila Arnold-Jones shared a story about one of the biggest gifts she has ever received. I don't know about you, but when I... um I have different names that people give me or they tell me or give me as, they, as they're getting to know me or they don't really hear my name right. My name is Sheila. When I was in Germany for a while, I came back from Germany and the cartoon She-Ra was on television. So they called me She-Ra all the time. And, and then they say things like Sheila, Sheila, Bila, 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 but you know, all that kind of stuff. And I always had names that were given to me. But there's no greater name I love than hearing the words Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. Because that reminds me of the special place. I had an opportunity in 2010 to go over to Malawi in Africa. And, and it's on the western side of Africa, underneath, Tanz- uh, underneath Tanzania, beside Mozambique. And it's a small country. It is half the size of Virginia and double the size of the population. It's an amazing country. And it's called the warm heart of Africa. And I couldn't wait to go. We were going on a mission trip with my church, and I couldn't wait to be there. I was very excited because I was going to meet my people. And I meet my people and I were going to connect. And I got there. I didn't know them, and they didn't know me. <laughs> I realized real quickly, I am an American woman. And they had nothing in common whatsoever. So I had to really start at the ground level and get to know them. And I loved it. We had so much time that we had while we were there that I, we were able to go on safari. We went to Mvu Camp Reservation. And the first thing we did was we did day safari. And we got to see a, a, black, a black rhino out in the wild, which was very cool. We got to see zebras running because that's what they do. They run and they hide. And we got to see water buffaloes, elephants that you could touch right outside your, 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 um, the truck that we were on. We got to see uh, sables and impalas. And I always like to say, not the car, but the animal. Uh, yeah, dumb joke. Okay. Um, well, we got to see warthogs, which are the cutest little things you've ever seen in your entire life. And we got to learn about green mambas, but not see them. And then we went on a river tour. And on that river tour, I got to see real hippopotamus with their nose up in the air and their, their ears that twiggle around when they're in the water. And I asked the guide, why do the ears twiggle around? And he said, to get the water out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I got to make sure I got to pull my hand in the boat just as a 20-foot crocodile came underneath it. And it could care less about my hand because it had two teenage little crocodiles that were ready to fight it. And we didn't stay around long enough. Got to see the Jesus bird, a bird that walks so fast in the water that they call it the Jesus bird because of that. It's amazing. We went on a night safari where they took us out in, in the truck and we went to a place and there was a space, empty space. You're out in the night and you're like, you see nothing, nothing. And then he tells everybody to be quiet. They turn all the lights off. And for three minutes, it's quietness. When the lights go back on, the animals have forgotten you were there and they're right beside your car and right outside your window and they dart away in the dark and you see the most amazing animals. It was wonderful. I love the fact also that I got to go to vendors. I bought things like necklaces and necklaces and bracelets, and I bought all kinds of amazing things to bring home. But I love buying the drums. 
They were these handmade drums, and I bought some from Philip. And Philip, his whole generation, for generation for generation, had been making these drums by hand. And I bought those drums. I bought pictures that people made. Some people made because they had no hands and no feet, and they made them with a, a, a paintbrush in their mouth. And they made these amazing pictures. And I spent a lot of money over there. But my most fun times were out in the village. And the village was so different than the city. And the city, which was very different than the cities I, come, I have over here, but the cities, uh, they were, at least had running water. And I, I could really at least go to a, a there was a McDonald's. <laughs> it was not really a McDonald's. It was actually McDonough. And it did not serve beef because that wasn't good for you. I think, and it served lamb burgers, and you could go get them. And I will tell you that a lamb burger does not taste like a double quarter pounder cheeseburger, just so you'll know. But we would sometimes come in and at least have things that were familiar with us in the city. Not so in the village. In the village, you were truly away from everything that I could understand. There, the people had houses that were made of brick that they made by hand. Or they had houses that were made of mud that they had to reapply every three to four months. The water they pulled from wells or from down at the river. That's where they washed their clothes was at a river somewhere. And they lived what I thought was a very simplistic life, but a tough life. If you were able to send your child to school, you had to have the money to do it, and you would have a pair of shoes you would provide for them, and they would walk to school with their shoes around their neck and put their shoes on right at the door and be students and put those shoes back around their neck and walk home. And as I saw them and got to spend time with them, the utter poverty just got to my heart. I could see that they worked so hard in the fields, and the women did most of the work, quote-unquote. It wasn't that the men didn't. They were going to the cities to try to find better work. And so the women did the work of the the hoeing and the the, the harvesting of all the corn, because corn is your staple. And the poverty was such in 2001, they had a famine. In 2001, they had a famine so bad that you were making money I had nowhere to spend it to buy food. The concept that you couldn't just go down the store and say, well, the food line doesn't have it, I'll go to Walmart. But that no store you have has a piece of grain inside of it. That you rent a bike to travel two and a half hours to a neighboring country to buy enough food for two weeks. They have a huge AIDS epidemic that happened there, and it's changed so much now, but they lost a generation of people and have orphans. <laughs> they didn't have any in the village. They had no running water. So you took a bath, and they were very hygienic. They took a bath. They took baths all the time. That wasn't an issue. But the moment you got out of the water to take the bath, you stepped right back into the red dirt that was everywhere. So you, and you didn't have shoes, so men and women read dirt all the time. And children, oh my goodness, the children were covered from head to toe with dirt. And who wouldn't be if you were a kid in Malawi? Because you had a pretty cool life if you asked him. 
They would take uh, bags, uh, those old fl- food line bags that we have. They have those plastic bags over there in the city. And someone would go to the city and get bags, and they take bags and they wrap those bags up, and wrap them up, and wrap them up, and wrap them up until it was a ball. And it was a nice tight ball. And they go out there on the soccer fields. They love soccer, and they would play. And then they, they would sometimes go and get metal from anything they could find and wire. And they would wire together and make movable cars that they could push along. Or the girls would go and grab vines from the tree and hook them together and they would jump rope. Or the men would dig in the ground and they'd have holes in the ground for the mancala that they would play. Much bigger than our mancala boss. Some of them would be the size of the stage. So large. It was a whole different world. And my job was to, well, to share my testimony. I shared about myself a lot. I shared about my... I shared about America a lot because they were interested. And then I, I worked with the kids. And I tell you, kids are pretty much the same everywhere. As long as you're having a good time, they're having a good time with you. And we had to introduce ourselves, and they got to meet me. And I said, my name is Sheila. And they went, Sheila. And I said, that's my name, Sheila. And every time I came, they would go, Sheila. And I was kind of liking this. And I was the only black person on this trip. And I kind of felt like Oprah Winfrey. I was kind of good. Because when babies saw me, they would come to me. When they saw my white friends, they scream and yell and run away. It was an extraordinary moment. I would work with those kids every day. And we laughed and played and told stories and did puppets. And we made things. Things that our children in our country today would draw on a piece of paper and throw away the moment they walked outdoors. But I can tell you three years later after visiting something they drew in that first year was still on their wall in a pristine place. But there I was. Me. Used to really good life. And all I was doing was telling stories. All I was doing was playing with kids. What did I have to offer? So when it was time to go, when it was time to go, I was just, I was just despondent. I hadn't given anything. I don't know if you ever felt like that sometimes, like you just walk someplace and you just can't give enough. That's how I felt. But then it was time to go. We had an old rickety bus we all got on. And that bus would take us over the unpaved roads off to the village. On that last day, we all said goodbye and got on the bus. And the children did what they always did. They ran beside the bus, ran beside the bus, and we waved to them. And I sat in my seat because I didn't want to look anymore. What had I done for anybody? And then I heard it. Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. Everybody laughed on the bus because by this time, they knew I was a superstar. And, uh, and I just laughed. But then all of a sudden, all the kids, Sheila, Sheila. And I was like, what's going on? And one of, the kid, one of the people on the bus said, look out the window, Sheila. And I did, and I saw her. There she came, about eight years old. She had on a white dress. And it, was, it, it wasn't zipped in the back because it was too small. And the, the 
vase of burgundy ribbon around it. It was flying because it was open and she was flying. She was on air, running to me, carrying something in her hand going, Sheila, Sheila. And the, girl, the kids had seen her. And so they, they all joined so that I could hear them. And I, they, they heard and I was like, she's calling me, what's going on? And the bus slowed down. And she got up to the bus to where I was. She got up to the window and she lifted her hand. And in her hand was a tin bowl filled with ground nuts. I looked at it. She was offering it to me. And I knew with all my heart I could not take those ground nuts at all because that was a staple in their family. And I looked at her, and I looked towards the interpreters on our bus, and I said, tell her, no, I can't take that. And they looked at me and said, Sheila, do not deny her the opportunity to give to you. So I reached out my hand out that bus window, and I grabbed that tin plate, and I, I brought it up, and she was just, yes, yeah, smile on her face, and she stood there. As the bus crept along, and I made a big show of it because I had now got it, and, and I was doing kindness, and I, I picked up a pink ground nut, and I cracked it, and I was about to put it in, and the interpreter said, Sheila, she needs the tin bowl back. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And my, my, my seat neighbor pulled out their shirt, and I poured, poured the, the, the ground nuts on them, and I threw that bowl out the window making sure it covered the heads of those kids and went far enough so it wouldn't hurt anybody and she ran to that bowl and she picked it up and she held it and said Sheila that smile on her face I had given her something I had given her the opportunity to give and I did not deny her the joy of being able to do that. Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. We hope you enjoyed this story of kindness. If you like to come out and tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, submission and contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.